Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. I'm Jill Murphy, editor of Pharmaceutical Technology, and this week, we will be discussing vaccine development and how it has changed over the past few years. This conversation includes topics such as the challenges that have been brought on since the COVID-19 pandemic, how CDMOs play a part in the process, and the overall outlook for the future of vaccines. In this episode, I speak with Norman Blaze, Senior Director of Development and Innovation in Biologics at BioVectra, and Jessica Madigan, Director of Business Development in Biologics at BioVectra on all things vaccine. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Uh, Norman, I actually wanted to ask you my first question. So how have you seen the development of vaccines at BioVectra change in your time in this industry? So thanks, Jill, for the question. So just to give you a bit of uh, history of my my background in uh, vaccine research and development, I first started my career around 20 years ago in academic. So during these days, it was really the era where uh, we got access to genomic sequence. And what, uh, what that allowed us was to reveal really the exhaustive content of potential protein antigens. So with that many antigens, we had to put together some a predictive strategy uh, using or applying bioinformatic methods in order really to identify which one of these antigens would be the best vaccine targets. So once selected, we were specifically producing these antigens in order to validate them in preclinical models. And this whole concept was called reverse vaccinology. Uh, and uh, that was uh, the name given by Rino Rapuoli at the time. So one important aspect of vaccine uh, technology that has evolved during the last 20 years, it's uh, basically uh, the, the, the development of technology platforms. So at the beginning of my career, the lead and most promising approach was really the combination between a recombinant or a subunit antigen and an adjuvant. And so early in the, in, in the 2010, we saw a switch towards the development of innovative vac- vector vaccine platform, which, was, which were more viral or mRNA platform. So I was first involved in the development of viral vector vaccines when GSK acquired uh, Okairos uh, early in 2010. And then afterwards, from 2015, I got more heavily involved into mRNA technologies since uh, GSK acquired Novartis uh, vaccine divisions. And so we uh, implemented and developed further their self-amplifying mRNA platforms. And more recently, of course, uh, there was a significant effort, you know, uh, um, in the development of 
mRNA uh, technology, which led to, uh, as you all know, uh, COVID vaccine, uh, current COVID vaccines that are provided by either um, either um, Moderna or Pfizer-BioNTech. Uh, one last important development that I would like to mention is more related to antigen engineering. So indeed, uh, really, during the last 20 years, what we were looking for was to try to better understand uh, either the structure and function of our antigens. And with that knowledge, we could further engineer them in order to improve key quality attributes, which could be either antigenic or manufacturing attributes. And even more, in, even more recently, with the uh, really uh, breakthrough in protein pro uh, structure prediction, uh, I feel like really in the, in the coming years, we'll be able to improve quite a lot uh, the, the vaccines to come. And so if you think about either vaccine development, uh, vaccine technology platform development and antigen engineering, if you, you can easily put that back together in respect to COVID vaccine, because I mean, COVID, the, the breakthrough in, in the development of COVID vaccine came out, came out from the development of mRNA technology, combining it with the engineering of the spike antigens for COVID. That's all so true. And I wanted to kind of take this to Jessica and ask you about kind of more on the COVID side and how there's been a major impact on the field as a result of COVID-19 and the rapid approvals of vaccines that were required to help with the pandemic. Do you feel that these types of accelerated timelines in vaccine development will continue or have there been any specific advancements in vaccine development that you could highlight that will help speed up the process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that the pressure for accelerated timelines is going to continue. Um, will it be realistic or achievable? Um, in some cases, maybe, but it really all depends on kind of the resources, the budget that can be applied to that. Obviously, in the case of COVID, there were a lot of roadblocks lifted um, in access to supplies and focus put on development of those specific vaccines. But taking that aside, um, you know, mRNA is a very powerful and versatile tool for vaccine applications. As Norman kind of mentioned earlier, recent um, and rapid advances in biotechnology, specifically, you know, rapid genome sequencing, have enabled the production of almost any functional protein or peptide in the human body by introducing it as an mRNA, as a vaccine or therapeutic agent. And in vitro transcribed mRNA has achieved kind of a platform process production, which is much more effective. It's faster in design and production, as well as more flexible and cost-effective than conventional approaches um, used to offer. So I think the use of the platform processes for development and manufacturing will enable therapeutic developers in essence to plug and play with different open reading frames for vaccine targets, which of course is gonna help accelerate these timelines to the clinic and further to a commercial production. Another angle to look at it could be from the regulatory perspective. You know, regulatory bodies, especially um, the EMA, have now established framework and guidelines for which task forces can be formally assembled and create priority review timelines that enable expedited feedback from regulators as the need arises. 
So that in and of itself is another lever people can use to accelerate their timelines for specific focus therapies that require um, fast to the clinic or fast to commercial. And when you're looking at the evolution of the regulatory framework, another key piece that I think plays into this accelerated timeline is, is the personalized medicines. Um, you know, as advances in personalized medicines increase, so will regulatory oversight. And so I think regulatory agencies are going to take a, you know, a data-centric approach. Their expectations will evolve and, and new regulatory requirements will go into effect, but they're going to put an emphasis on, on risk and shifting from kind of a one-size-fits-all regulatory mindset to a data-driven, segmented approach in which will enable people to say maybe leverage known technologies, like using, say, the same LNP across various vaccines to kind of limit clinical risks. And that also, I think, can be leveraged to decrease timelines for development. So kind of a few pieces in play there, but I think absolutely we have a lot of lessons learned from COVID on how we can accelerate timelines. And I kind of wanted to continue with that back to Normand and ask him, are there any challenges that you're seeing in terms of vaccine development right now and any possible solutions that are being adopted to overcome these challenges on top of what Jessica just said? I really believe that the, the, the solution should come from uh, developing uh, manufacturing technologies that will allow us to be uh, to, to reduce the cost of of the of the dose of these vaccines. For example, if you compare uh, the production of uh, the cost of one uh, shot of COVID vaccine today, which may be around twenty to forty dollars. Uh, we need to take into account that this cost is uh, from a, a vaccine that has been heavily funded by uh, the, by public fundings. Uh, if we compare that one to flu, a flu vaccine, for example, the cost is around $5. And so we really need to find solution in order to make uh, these vaccines more affordable. So that's one, one piece of solution that would come from uh, more technical development. The other aspect, which is limiting the accessibility of mRNA vaccine, it's uh, it's limited shelf life, stability. And for that, again, I think that uh, we need to further develop uh, delivery systems that will allow this system, the, these uh, the, these vaccines, to be more stable. Uh, because that's really a limiting factor when you think about delivering these vaccines to uh, the developing countries. The second aspect for me, uh, or the second challenge, I would say, is more related to potency or duration of protection. I mean, we're, most people are not really happy when they have to go through a shot every six months. So uh, really, we need to find solutions in order to improve uh, that particular platform. And more specifically, uh, we need to find possibly customized uh, mRNA adjuvant strategies that could either be genetic, because we are working with an mRNA and we could encode some genetic factors that would improve uh, immunogenicity and that would uh, really trigger adaptive immunity a bit better than it is the case right now. The other way around would be to also assess the potential for additional small molecules uh, to be added uh, on the, uh, with the formulation that would uh, better elicit the immune response. 
Third, for me, uh, limitation or challenge is reactogenicity. And uh, we all know people went through vaccination with these new technologies and who had or felt not that good during two or three days. I mean, really, the solution for me there is a bit more complicated uh, because I believe we need to invest in fundamental transitional research that will, uh, that will allow us to better understand the inflammatory mechanisms that are involved uh, in such reactogenicity and further improve these uh, mRNA drug products. The thing is, uh, for sure, there's really good aspects in eliciting inflammation because it's this key to uh, develop a good immune response. But I think we need to understand which factors of these mRNA vaccines are really uh, getting too far and uh, causing this reactogenicity. And uh, so uh, that, that, that would be for me the last uh, challenge that we need to, to address. So true. And Jessica, I wanted to ask you again for this question. So now in terms of going to outsourcing of these type of vaccine challenges and solutions, are you able to provide any insights into how someone like a CDMO can differentiate itself as a leader in the industry? Or if there are any specific traits or offerings that stand out with any like sponsor companies or making CDMOs more desirable to partner with? Absolutely. Um, I think there's kind of three factors to success when working with any CMO or CDMO, and it's really communication, capacity, and flexibility. Um, and so to go more into that, you know, achieving harmonization with drug developing organizations and CDMOs in early development requires a high level of agility and coordination across multiple teams. Uh, and in that, I think project management is a pivotal piece to success of any program. CDMOs that have a strong focus in project or program management are typically the best partners for drug developing organizations. The product management organization is gonna strive for that coherence, coordination, and, and efficiency in driving programs to the clinic in the shortest period of time, and also enable that streamlined communication. Uh, the second and probably the most important factor, honestly, is the availability of manufacturing capacity because it's a rate limiting step um, for early phase programs as well as commercial programs. And I think that right now, smaller CDMOs like BioVectra are well positioned to achieve success and in, in offering readily accessible capacity to kind of augment um, the client's internal process development and manufacturing. And finally, you know, there is that need for flexibility and the need for fully integrated CDMOs. And what that means is really like a one-stop shop that can provide you with development as well as large-scale industrial production services. You do not want to move your program between different CDMOs across clinical phases or have to deal with outsourcing from multiple companies. So um, at BioVectra, you know, we offer manufacturing across all phases of development. But in addition to that, you know, we offer key raw material manufacturing that streamlines the process. So plasmid is a raw material entering an mRNA production. And at BioVectra, we do plasmid, we do mRNA, we do lipid nanoparticle formulation and fill finish. So that's kind of condensing maybe four different CDMOs in some cases to a one shop. Uh, one-stop shop. 
Also, we've made investments in laboratory and production facilities, state-of-the-art single-use production, analytical equipment, and highly qualified, ta talented bioprocess experts. So the less you have to move between companies, the faster you can achieve your goal. And finally, the other thing that typically comes to, um, into play when working with CD modes is obviously the flexibility um, in contracting. Uh, you want to be able to work with a CMO that maybe can do a variety of different relationships with you, whether it's a pure fee for service or a risk sharing or co-development strategic partnering. Um, you want to look for something that best fits your program. Drug development programs are expensive and sometimes they're non-linear um, and you want to be able to work with the CDMO that's flexible in contracting in order to simplify um, your process. Absolutely. And lastly, to wrap things up, this is kind of a question for both of you or either of you. What are your hopes for the future of vaccine development? Are there anything that we should be watching for in the news that may provide more of a paradigm shift for the sector or any other challenges we should see coming up? Yes, of course. In my mind, really, my hope would be soon to see uh, an improvement for more uh, traditional vaccine, for example. So if you look at flu vaccine, uh, we know that from one year to another, uh, efficacy is around 40 to 60 percent. I mean, even though we know that 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 particular vaccine has a huge impact on society, we, we know also that there's room for improvement. And we see also the opportunity to apply these new technology platforms to such classical vaccine. And uh, one other aspect for me, which is important, also and becoming more and more problematic, it's the uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria. I think that it, uh, we could develop vaccine uh, solutions that would help us try to cope with that particular challenge. And third, uh, in terms of hope, I see really uh, an evolution of the application of vaccine technology in the field of therapeutic. Uh, we just, if we just look at uh, recent uh, Zoster vaccine, which is quite efficient at preventing uh, uh, shingles in older adults, I mean, this is uh, not a prophylactic vaccine because most of these people have been infected at a younger age, but that particular vaccine solution prevent those uh, recurrent infections from happening. And, and in the field, I think there's many opportunities. Finally, uh, what kind of advancement we should be watchful for? So in my mind, really uh, soon we'll see uh, new modalities such as mRNA or pDNA vaccine platforms uh, that will be further leveraged in order to address unmet and complex medical needs. And that could be in the fields of either oncology, autoimmune diseases, allergy. Uh, and possibly to achieve that, we, we need to combine uh, vaccines with either biologics or small molecules. And we've see, we've see, we have seen a major breakthrough uh, from different companies uh, combining uh, mRNA vaccine technologies, for example, with uh, checkpoint inhibitors. And finally, as it was mentioned by Jessica, I mean, uh, there's, we need to open the path to personalized medicine. 
I mean, uh, today with the, the technologies out there, we can really uh, get the footprint of someone's cancer and really use that specific signature in order to elicit an immune response that will fight the, these cancers. And so uh, we need really to uh, develop new technological approaches that will, and also clinical uh, development strategies that will allow us to reach uh, that particular objective. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, for my hopes for the future for vaccine developments, absolutely the promise of um, oncology vaccine and, and new ways to, to treat cancers. Um, the other area that I'm really hoping to see improvement on is, is the advancements in delivery technologies. Um, you know, mRNA therapeutics require technologies that ensure stabilization of the mRNA as it's in, under physiological conditions and, and trafficking into the cells. So improvement and optimization of mRNA structure and engineering of nanoparticles is gonna be a critical point um, for advancements of mRNA drugs. We need to be able to deliver the mRNA to the cells that we want to contact. Um, and so I think that's where there's going to be huge areas of advancements um, in the next few years. And as for paradigm shifts, I don't, I don't think there'll be any, anything too crazy coming out, but again, I think regulatory agencies will be guiding that and they're gonna be publishing new guidance that will give the industry clarity on how to support clear pathways of advancements of these new vaccines and personalized medicine. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the field evolves. to our editors and experts for sharing their insights. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars and hear about episodes of Drug Digest. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. <laughs>